You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Love that was, that eventually wasn't. The impressions left on one's mind after a failed love affair are striking. Striking even more than the thunk of a cold stainless steel spike to the base of your brainstem. Even more so than the intelligence being drained from your brain to another's brain. When we talk about pain, loss, and lost love, this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 18, Brain Drain, is filled with things that leave us and a number of characters with nothing left. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas Jayhern, your other host. Nick, so much to talk about inside of this really, really great episode. Let's get straight to the retelling. Okay. Beeping dials and printers start this episode, detailing the brain signals of a man that can't do it. Harry is trying to put puzzled blocks together, and well, with an IQ below 60, it's not happening. The experiments are revolutionary, and something to see. A man comes in to share a super-secret project, and Harry is not digging it. Harry rips off his headgear and quickly follows the two men downstairs to a very special room where... (gasps) Look! It's the brain of a lowland gorilla, and only the brain that is tied to a computer. Amazing! It's making it smarter. It's the start of artificial intelligence, Mike. Creating artificial intelligence is just around the corner, and in fact, this brain is smarter than Harry. Uh Uh-oh. The plan? To have hands made by this man for the brain that can interact with us, and shh, it's super secret. But wait, there's more. Oh, a Treffinator. It's amazing, and it's used to drain liquid from the brain. This one, however, can transfer the intelligence encapsulated in the brain juice-ness. Because the script. Because script. (laughs) From one brain to another. It's like a brain transplant without a brain. That's right. It is a cursed treffinator. It's all amazing. It focuses on how spinal fluid drains from one brain into another, making the other one smart. It is amazing. The plans are on the tail and whoops, Harry gets caught away from his room and insists that he doesn't want to be stupid anymore. Slams the doctor into a seat, straps him down. Lashes him down and engages the machine. The machine. The cerebral spinal fluid transfers, and suddenly, <gasps> Harry is smarter, and the doctor... Uh, not knew. so smart. No, not at not all. A, not as smart as he used to be. Right, right. Meanwhile, back at the Curious Good Shop, our merry hero trio talk about the Treffinator. How? Wow. Oh, wow. amazing. Amazing. That... It's great that they caught up in the ledger to get to the Treffinator exactly. this week. It's super coincidental. Well, you gotta love the script. I do love the script. The device has been transferred to a place that's only 10 blocks from the shop. Man, it doesn't get any more convenient than that. 
away they go and find the device where they also find that the doctor is dead, hit by a bus as he clumsily stumbled into traffic as an idiot. About a month ago, he just walks right out into traffic. Thud. Dead. Dead. (laughs) While learning of the doctor's fate, Jack spies an old friend, Vi. Jack is wooed by his former lover, and hey, they're having dinner tonight. They part ways, and Jack shares that he used to be his fiance. She left for Africa, and Jack didn't. Ryan finds out that the doctor's assistant has taken over and is showcasing the gorilla brain to another specialist. The doctor listens to a story that the young assistant named Pengborn tells him about the cool machine that measures someone's brain and tells people exactly how smart they are after doing so. A wink! But then he accidentally runs into our trio. But Pengborn sends them off. He's not having any of it. He's not. You know what it is time for, though? It's Trephinator time. Let the brain-measuring fun begin. The visiting doctor sits in the chair, and our young assistant initiates the measuring of brains and (laughs) sucks the intelligence from yet another incredibly smart man. This will make Harry even smarter, Mike. A dazed idiot doctor stumbles down the stairs and falls, thud, dead. But the trio find injuries on the doctor as they ask for someone to summon an ambulance. Mickey spies the holes on the back of the doctor's head and mentions it back at the shop as Jack prepares to get his Jack Marshak on. Two glasses clink. Jack and Vi, sitting in a tree, enjoying drinks and history. Stories of times long gone by and discussions of lament. A troubled marriage for Jack. Vi, a woman married to her work. It's top secret and all that, but it's very exciting and experimental. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's time to go back to the hotel and go to bed. For work tomorrow, that is. Uh, Back at the shop, Ryan and Mickey learn that the stair-fallen doctor and the doctor hit by the bus both had holes in the back of their necks. It's no good, but it's also a clue. It is a clue and not a coincidence inside of this very coincidental episode. Jack and Vi arrive back at the hotel, and it's time to unleash the Bratwurst. The Bratwurst investigation. What does the Bratwurst have to do with this? Back at the lab, it's time to make (gasps) the throbbing gorilla brain talk. (laughs) Awesome. Jack arrives back to the shop in a post-coital haze, with no shoes on, of course, to sneak in, but hey... It's time for a discussion of geniuses turned to idiots. First, a quick nap before the sleuthing begins. Back at the lab, Vi and the young assistant Pengborn have discovered that speech can be developed for the gorilla brain in six to eight months. But no, Pengborn requires that this all be done in two weeks because of a speaking engagement he's arranged. He's the head speaker. He (laughs) is the head speaker. He spurs on the doctor and... There's nothing to be done. She's got to go. Pengborn apologizes and remembers that there's one more piece of equipment that he needs to show to Vi, and there's just not enough time for that. Ryan and Mickey head out without Jack Marshak, who's still sleeping off the high hard one, and head for the authorized personnel-only room inside the museum. Inside, they find equally creepy items and begin sorting through the files. The files, Nick! The files! Neither can find anything that refers to Pengborn. Inside, what they do find is that Pengborn used to be Harry, a dude with a 60 IQ. Now, he's as smart as Nick from the Curious Goods podcast. Pengborn comes down to the storeroom and senses someone's there. He grabs an ancient tribal spear and begins seeking out the interlopers. Mickey hides in a crate while Ryan ducks down stands there with his hair he ducks down behind he's some, some boxes as a, as a wig. <laughs> but it doesn't really look like he's hiding but evidently he was hiding because Pangborn doesn't find him <laughs> right, right. even though he's stalking through the basement with his ancient spear that Tribal he's going spear. to kill people with if he finds him <laughs> luckily before Ryan can be discovered from not hiding Pangborn is called away 
by the security detail over the loudspeaker. Right. Woohoo! That was close. Very close. Very close. Ryan and Mickey head to Pingborn's lab and find the live, pulsating, throbbing, now gestating gorilla brain. It's alive! It's alive! A worthless security guard stops by to check on. Nothing in particular. And apparently, Ryan and Nikki scurry away without being caught. Back at the hotel, Jack has woken up from his nap and arrived to have lunch with Vi. This lunch must have been spectacular because the relationship moves very quickly. A thousand miles an hour. Only being reunited less than a 48-hour period, Jack is re-proposing to Vi and she is saying yes. Right, right. Jack Marshak, man of action. Jack whips out this stunning engagement ring. The original ring that he gave her 20 years ago. Far too long ago. Smiles all the way around. And now it's time for an afternoon off. How convenient. And unfortunately, that means that she'll have to work tonight. Not so awesome. So she goes to work now so she doesn't have to work at night. Vi goes back to the museum to start more research with Dr. Pangborn, I'm going to stick you in the back of the neck. (laughs) While Jack rushes back to the shop to let Mickey and Ryan know the great news. Ryan and Mickey horrify Jack with the knowledge that Vi is in Pangborn danger. Back at the lab, Pangborn needs Vi to help him with something. Yes, I'm using air quotes. Ryan, Jack, and Mickey are speeding perilously toward the lab to save Vi. Harry Judo chops Vi on the neck to get her safely and secured into the cursed Trepanator. Harry activates the cursed machine and whammy. Poor Vi's spinal brain liquids are transferred into the evil pangboard. Yeah. Jack, Ryan, and Mickey scramble from the rolls in an effort to get to Vi. Is it too late? Is she gone? The intrepid trio can't find a way in, but they do find Vi in a trash can. It's time to find the Trephinator and get her mind back. That's right. Our heroes discover a loading dock, which luckily (laughs) is not locked, and they are able to get inside. And Jack is bound and determined to get Vi into the Trephinator and get her intelligence back from Pangborn, no matter what. What? Pengborn is now teaching the throbbing, thrusting, pulsating, thorny gorilla brain to speak. Thanks to Vi's genius. (laughs) I am laughing because it's awesome. Jack is carrying Vi as she now is, as he, Mickey, and Ryan search for the recently smarter Pengborn. Jack keeps Vi in proximity to the Trephinator as Ryan and Mickey hunt for Pengborn. Jack then begins his own search for Pengborn. He finds a gun. He checks to see if it's loaded and heads to find Pengborn. Ryan and Mickey are discovered by security. For no particular reason, because nothing happens. Jack still hunts Pengborn. Jack begins stalking his prey inside the museum. And Pengborn gets the drop on him. Somehow. Magically. Judo chop. But then... While monologuing, Pengborn is run into by wandering, blithering idiot Vi. Jack is then able to subdue Pengborn somehow, magically, and asks how to reverse the process and exactly how it can be done. They wrestle again, smashing boxes and props and things left and right. Causing the cursed Trephinator <laughs> to move backwards towards the lab window. Right, right, Jack. Judo chops Pengborn. He falls into a crumbling mess, very much like Vi did, with no particular effort inside this episode. And into the chair, he drops. And with the last bit of strength and intelligence, Vi grabs the lever, activating the machine. Causing the needles to stab into the gorilla brain and into Pangborn making Pangborn as dumb as a bag of rocks. Pangborn dies. Vi dies. Even in all the death, the good news is that the item is... Recovered! 
Ryan and Mickey console Jack back at the Curious Good Shop, who is lamenting the lost again times. As a sad pushing on the ring and photo of I closes the episode, so does the door on Jack's heart when it comes to Vi. I love it when we find goods inside of episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. This one is absolutely no exception. Let's get to the goods. Pacing. You and I have talked about it, I think, inside of everything I care about. Yeah. Because pacing will trump even the stupidest story ever. Mm-hmm. And this one, in addition to getting a great story, you also get what I think has probably been showcased one of the best pacing showcases of this show ever. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is definitely up there where pacing is concerned. At no time did I ever feel like this episode was dragging. And we've we've had a handful of episodes recently that, that have not hit that that pace. Yeah. Speed. There's a sweet spot for sure. Yeah, there there's definitely a sweet spot for it. And it seems that it's been a little off kilter in, in previous episodes. This one, stellar. It, it trucked yeah. along. It never mm-hmm. felt boring. It kept us engaged and also uh, kept a, a little bit of the mystery going, too. I mean, you could probably figure out that Vi was working on mm-hmm. the project in the basement, mm-hmm. but they didn't tell you that until yeah. after Jack and her got, had gotten back together. So, yeah. so, so you weren't really worried about her safety, and then all of a sudden, oh, she's in peril. Now yeah. you have to worry. When you'd even mention that, you know, is it possible that Jack's former lover is going to end up trying to kill him? And you're absolutely right. That that kind of potential peril was written all over the front end of the episode. Oh well, we, anybody that has has shown up from Jack's past, not usually so far awesome. has has all tried to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So the the possibility because we were saying that while we were I, I said that uh, while we watched the episode, I was like, oh, let's hope this one doesn't try to kill him. And there could have been that mystique of, yeah. of oh, I'm working on something, and I've hated you for the last 20 yeah. years, Jack Marshak. Yeah. You, you should have came with me, you, Jack. Right, ah, exactly. Yeah. A, a yeah. woman, a woman scorned. Yeah, but it, yeah. It, it turned out not to be that, and yeah. it, it didn't feel disjointed because of the pacing. Yeah, it, it's tremendous. This the other thing that the pacing inside of this episode that did that even the most strident recent movies don't weren't able to do and i marvel at it haha is that all of the characters regardless of how small they appeared to be and showcased all had an arc they were all characters that could be plucked from the story and while they they were small a couple of those doctors didn't last more than maybe i don't know three or four minutes max well yeah but they existed and they they conveyed a character and why they were there it added flesh to the character of Pingborn slash the doctor who he whose skills he usurped. Right. And that's what fosters the pace. The building of characters is what should be, I don't know, 90% of what's inserted in pace and storytelling so that you're always learning something new about a character until there's either a twist or an alteration in the story or something else is introduced. And this episode absolutely does that. Super straightforward, practical effects. I love that uh, we talk about this with CGI, frankly, as well. Mm-hmm. We love it when you can't really discern if there was CGI, except that, hey, look, there happened to be something extraordinary, yeah. and the movie's new enough that it would incorporate, traditionally, CGI if, if they were able. Yeah. But the ones that enhance and drive the story that aren't giant, sweeping... 3D, you fall through the crotch of a hero and then around his left shoulder and whatever else. That's not what appears here at all. It's all very straightforward, practical effects that allow you to take in the storytelling and then have the added enhancement of this incredible stuff happening behind you. I feel that practical effects are becoming a lost art when when it comes to big budget Hollywood. Yeah. It, ju- it just is because yeah. it's cheaper to throw a digital effect up. Yeah, uh, with all the money that you're spending on all of these gigantic movies, I think pr- adding adding the extra uh, wow worthiness of a practical effect enhanced by a digital effect, it's an art that people aren't doing enough. At totally least, agree. at least giant big budget. You're still yeah. you're still seeing that stuff on the smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the '80s, man. This is this is before digital effects were 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the fact that our cursed object is this giant machine, and I'm I, I joke about it and I, I call it the machine, harkening uh, back to uh, uh, the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. But it was a practical effect. It's this giant two-sided chair with these two hinges that brought the the needles down into the back of the necks of the people at the, simultaneously, so the intelligence and the goo and the and the fluid could be transferred. It's ridiculous when you think about mm-hmm. it practically, mm-hmm. because how are you supposed to move that from place to place? Yeah, but doesn't for, matter. Exactly, it doesn't matter because of the storytelling. Because of the because storytelling, of pace, because right. we're in this this dank basement filled with antiques in this museum where a secret experiment is going on. It fits perfectly mm-hmm. with the mystique of the episode. Yeah, and then that pulsating brain, uh, the pulsating brain of the of the gorilla. You gotta love stuff like that. I do. I, I instantly it's, it's, love it's it. cheesy. Yes. It's cheesy, but it's that it's that it's that perfect taste of cheese. Yeah. To a to a horror anthology show like this. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. Stuff yeah. like the that. The only thing that made it more appreciative for me was that it all has this wonderful. We didn't really talk about it. We didn't make it a, a, a good, but it all has this wonderful theater esque flavor. Right. It, none of this feels like it's done inside of a movie. You'll watch any part of this episode. None of it looks like a feature film. No, no. Uh, we in the uh, retelling we talked about the car, and the car is obviously an effect of three people sitting in the front chair of what is a set. So, yeah, or maybe even the car. It's probably a mock-up with, of the car. Yeah. yeah, with somebody shining a, a, a spotlight in front of them to act as the car spotlight. White lights for for the headlights, then, red lights for the tail lights. Right. Yeah. And then the th- and then the the three of them kind of moving like they're in a car and that's Somebody's all it is. Somebody's got a 2x4 in the back of that fake car yeah. moving them around just enough to where it looks like they're actually driving yeah. down the road. Yeah. And, and and it's spectacularly done. It reminds me a lot of the stuff that we did inside of stage back in high school mm-hmm. and it it's it's perfect. It all matches perfectly with the effects, the storytelling, and the characters that are introduced. The music. Ah, the musical bludgeon that Wilkerson crashes against everyone's skull almost as cool as the Trephinator inside this episode. I love talking about music inside of whether it's feature films, television shows, streaming media, it doesn't make any difference. The bottom line is that the good ones that have it and do it well... They add an element to storytelling that if it wasn't there, you would notice if it wasn't there after you've seen it. Right. And this one is spectacular, I think. Every single element and time where it's needed, it's absolutely used and inserted. The pinnacle of what happens with music inside of this episode is probably the end, where we have Jack lamenting not only lost love, but a closing door on something he really thought was going to be reopened right. for him as a character. Right. And it's all wonderfully showered with this great, perfect music that if it wasn't there, you would feel, you'd feel much of the same things, mm-hmm. but your feelings would not be propelled as they are with the music. Where soundtrack is concerned for, for anything, horror especially, but anything. I agree. Uh, it's very important for horror. Yes. I mean, it's make it or break it when it mm-hmm. comes to horror because yeah. it sets the tone. It sets the mood. It's almost as important as the pacing mm. for horror as well. Very well said. And sometimes you have to be brave enough to have nothing. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be brave enough as a filmmaker or as as the composer for you know making the score for your episode or your movie. You have to be sometimes brave enough not to have anything at all. Yeah. And and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And in here, this definitely enhanced the episode, especially the tense ones when the chase the chase was on, or anytime our characters were hiding or pussyfooting around. And we'll get to that a little bit later. The music helped facilitate the tone of the scene. Yeah, there's no question, no question. I th- uh, a really great sample that we just got done focusing on. Strangely enough, inside of a, an episode of The Versus Machine that focuses on the book called I Am Legend versus the feature film I Am Legend with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Inside of that, that feature film is a perfect sample. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it's totally appropriate because there's there's nothing. There's Will Smith and a dog and then these hordes of things that are sleeping usually. Mm-hmm. And so guess what you have? You have nothing. Yeah. And it totally pays off for everything that you you have inside of that film. 
to hear all of the details about what we thought about the book I Am Legend versus the feature film I Am Legend. Make sure you go check that out over at versusmachine.com and look for the I Am Legend comparison. Well, a ton of goods here across a wide spectrum of just awesome storytelling elements. This is where we ask you guys, what did you think was good inside this episode? Let us know by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Just as every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, has its goods... It also has its moments that need a little bit of polish. Let's focus on the not-so-goods. Recycled bad guys slash actors. Now, despite the fact that this was a great episode, had had a great story, a creative cursed object, and even a love story... Mm -hmm. There was one, like, giant glaring thing that I noticed right off the bat with this episode. Our our antagonist, Harry Pangborn, Dr. Harry Pangborn, uh, also known as Harry the Idiot with the IQ of 58. Houseplant. Well, play, is, is played by Dennis Forrest, mm-hmm. who was our bad guy in episode three of season one cupid's quiver Mm -hmm. he was eddie he was creepy eddie i found it very disorienting having the same actor playing a bad guy yet again in in the show it's a ding because out of all of the characters that are in this episode Mm -hmm. the bad guy is the least interesting yeah in my in my opinion the bad guy is the least interesting because i don't want to be stupid anymore and then it's all it is is about, okay, I'm going to become famous. There's no real menace, unlike his previous performance as Eddie in Cupid's Quiver. There was real menace there. Oh, yeah. I remember I remember our, our conversation during that podcast. It, it, Eddie was just, it, creepy shit was yeah. going on with yeah. Eddie. Super creepy character. Yet this now, one, I, just, just very generic for me. Yeah, I, I didn't have nearly the speed bump here for that, and I realized that we're only talking 15 episodes ago. I, I totally well, did right, it. right. The, the bottom line, though, is that he was able to convey, I don't think he had enough time being stupid, but he was able to convey the air of smart, and probably the most important part which earned him the role is that when he is Harry, and even when he's not Harry, he still looks like there's something wrong with him. Well, yeah. And so I, I absolutely buy in where he is able to just suck brain dry and get smarter, and it works. And it I think I, th- I, I want to go back to that comment you just made about not having enough time as idiot Harry. Mm-hmm. I think if we would have played a little bit longer with the whole flowers for Algernon-esque thing yeah. and given him more of a motive besides not wanting to be stupid anymore, mm-hmm. maybe having a crush on Vi. I mean, you know, that kind of changes the dynamic of what the episode is, but if there was something more to make him more menacing for killing people instead of, well, I'm just going to kill you and take your intelligence and just get smarter and be famous. The only thing else I can think of here is that because of budget, they wanted to grab another actor that they were able to bring back in and hit a home run again. I think maybe, I think had this been season, a season two episode, it Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been so jarring, but I was like, we just saw this guy give a great performance a handful of episodes ago. And now here we are. And he's, he's kind of just, I'm not saying he phoned it in by any means. Yeah. He was still great. Mm -hmm. But out of all the other characters that were, were focused in this episode, he was kind of the most blah. That's my opinion, but uh, we want to know what you think. Yeah, for sure. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click the contact button, fill out that contact form, and let us know your opinions on Harry versus Eddie. A wee too circular of a set. So another thing. <laughs> we've talked and we've talked about this before on the podcast. I love it when they can grab a location and use the hell out of it. Yeah. But then there's sometimes where you've got a location and it's just not big enough to pull off the scope of what you're trying to do. We're led to believe that these experiments are being held in the bowels of this museum. Okay. 
And for the most part, early on in the episode, we get it. I mean, you know, there's a long, dark staircase. Mm -hmm. There's a corridor that goes somewhere. We don't know, Mm -hmm. but it goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there's darkness, and it's dusty, and there's a lot of things packed up in in boxes and crates Crates. Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Great. But then when you try to have a chase scene, a a stalking scene in an area like that, you start to notice that staircase and that corridor. And the skulls. And and the skull. Everything, just because you move the the camera another foot to the right or to the left, doesn't mean you're going to pull off the fact that this is a different part of the basement. It worked for the majority of it. But there were a handful of times, especially towards the end, mm-hmm. where it was back and forth, back and forth. You could really tell that yeah. all they were doing was moving the camera either a foot to the right or a foot to the left. Yeah. It's it's jarring. It is it is something that could, if you're paying attention to it, like I was, it could take you right out of the episode. Yeah. And had it happened earlier on, I don't know if I would have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Yeah. No, I, I can totally see that. I think the other thing that this really does fall to is the stagecraft piece. Mm. Uh, production design is not just a job. It's a skill set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we've talked to a bunch of different production designers over the years, both from television, from feature films, from streaming content. The bottom line about production design is that those people are responsible for everything that you see so that even if you were to see things that you've already seen, they would somehow be painted in a different light right. so as to make them not nearly as noticeable as they were when they were on screen previously. It, it absolutely is a skill set and one that can be very easily overlooked, especially if perhaps you've got a couple of, I don't know, stage presence production design jobs under your belt, <laughs> but you don't have what is being able to tell the story with either one or multiple cameras that have to be put into different places to showcase what's going to be shown. Yeah. yeah. A wee too easy to be subdued. I have giant problems with things like this, and it's not. I'm not looking for Van Damme to show up and do the giant double jumping spread eagle leg kick to right. knock out the bad guys. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for an MMA fighter to show up and knock out Pengborn inside this episode. I'm not looking for the Hulk to walk over and rip one of his arms off. Yeah. But what I am looking for is a lot of people are under the impression that when you're in a fight, it, it's this very stagey, I throw a punch and it hits and you fall to your side and you grab your jaw and th- there's a, there's a, the, the fight dance that people think happens. No, oh, yeah. And in reality, for everyone that's ever been in a fight, traditionally they're almost always short. Yeah. Traditionally they're almost never to the death and, or <laughs> even into a piece of, uh, of where somebody's hurt. Really. Yeah. It's where you get the most over and you stand over and laud over people and then you leave. We don't get any of anything but an accidental kind of sideways judo chop in one case. The the one that got me and the reason kind of why we're putting this on here is the blubbering, mewling quib that's inside of Vi's brain now is able to somehow still jar Pengborn with a gun pulled on Jack so much so that Jack is able to get the upper hand on him. And I... I, I, it's where I had to throw the brain switch off. Okay, so that's the one we're calling out. That's one of the few. That's one of the many that I think we're calling out. No, pa- I, I mean, I can go, we can go through all of them. Painboard judo chop I can buy because of the well, skill. Well, it's a brachial stun. It, it, well, it's not even that. It's I can buy it because somewhere inside of the other people's brains that he sucked, somewhere that skill set's devised. Fine. I'm good. We're done with it. Sounds awesome. Maybe, and that could be a way to write that off. Yeah. Let's look at all of the other people who have uh, had their brains sucked out. Uh, the first doctor walked out into traffic mm-hmm. and got hit by, by a bus. Car. Right. But he had to walk out of the museum mm-hmm. and into traffic. Right. He so also he got was subdued, though. Yes, he got he got trapped by a very angry test subject. Yeah. Well, this was a scientist who wasn't expecting that. Okay, so so I can buy that. Wasn't expecting it. Got. Subdued, tied down, your de- your your brain, brain drained. Sucked on. Right. Okay, the second guy. Well, he got he kind of got duped. 
It was did. it was the whole hey you want to measure your brain, measure your brain yeah. see how smart you were that one I can buy okay so there was he a sits trick down and gets brain sick. yeah it was a trick falls downstairs dead Got now it. who knows what he was going to try to do where Vi was concerned beforehand but then he got too impatient and then when it came time it was just judo chop brachial stun to the neck now because the previous folk who had their brain drained still had because because remember you know measure your brain guy. He walked down a flight of stairs and then stumbled on the last of them. And he wasn't even dead when he when he fell, but he was very injured. So he still had enough rattling around in his brain to get him down those stairs and then, oopsie, for Vi to come stumbling in and to, with all of her, with all of her body mass, stumble into Pangborn, who wasn't expecting it. I can buy that. I could buy that she had just enough up here to ram into him, fall down on the floor next to the machine, and and stay there until Jack was able to get Pangborn into the machine, and then she she had enough foresight to pull the lever. So I I can I can buy it. I mean it's a little flimsy, but I can still buy it. That's what we think. But of course, we want to know what you thought needed a little bit of polish. Reach out to us over at our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button, fill out that contact sheet, and tell us what you thought needed a little bit of polish in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. It's time to take a break during this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 18. Brain Drain. Every time when we come back from our breaks, it's time to review our manifest moments. A manifest moment is a piece of the episode where Nick and I either recognize an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what you got? Well, for my manifest moment for this episode, I really have to focus 
again, and this seems to this seems to pop up into my manifest moment often. Mm-hmm. The continued development of characters. Mm. The one thing that makes this anthology series from the '80s unique is the fact that it's an anthology series with three main characters. Yeah, you do not see that. Yeah, the fact that we take the time in each episode just a little bit sometimes a lot but sometimes a little bit to keep developing these three characters is very important mm-hmm. because if you don't care about them and their mission then you're not going to care about the show mm-hmm. and it really is about these three people who have decided to dedicate their lives or at least a portion of their lives until they're done with their mission to hunt down each one of these cursed objects mm-hmm. no matter what yeah yeah. And we've seen we've seen the peril of this lifestyle. We've seen how it has ruined Mickey's engagement. She is no longer engaged. Mm-hmm. She is single. Yep. Uh, we've seen how this job has brought up horrible painful memories for Ryan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in in remembering his his dead brother. Mm-hmm. And especially with this episode we have seen what this has done to Jack. Mm-hmm. Most of all, I mean, Jack trusted Louis Vanderdee, had no idea the things the things that he were he was bringing him mm-hmm. these antiques. He was having cursed by the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been betrayed by one of his oldest friends uh, in the episode with the faith healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, he tried to kill him, tried to give him uh, the cancerous tumors and yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. And in this one, Jack is reunited with a love. From 20 years ago, the the biggest regret he's ever had, he's getting a second shot, and mm-hmm. these cursed objects have gotten away and taken that from him. Yeah. So we are building character for these three characters. It also adds to the peril brought on by these cursed objects. If these three characters continue to stay in this line of work, if they continue their mission, they run the risk of continuing to have people that they love and care about harmed by the things that they're trying to hunt, including themselves. And that's the great thing about this show. That's why I keep coming back to this show. That's why I love that we're doing a podcast reviewing every episode of this show. And that is my manifest moment. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's spectacular. I think what I appreciated most about this for my manifest moment has got to be the quick love showcased by Vi. Mm. Something I remember when I was a very when I was a very young man <laughs> was you know having an absolute head over heels crush on insert name of whomever shan't be mentioned right. tonight, right? And then hoping that I would have not only just a lunch where we talk, but then an impromptu dinner where the dinner would not only be the perfect dinner, but then we would then disappear to a hotel room. And then we would be smitten. And then the next day she would fall madly in love with me and we'd live on forever. I mean, I'm trying to think of the person that doesn't at some point have at least a seed of some of what I've Something like that. Yeah, exactly. And that you get to see it. So uh, brazenly is not the word I want to use. But I mean, you it's on display. There Mm -hmm. it is. I see it. It's right there. And that you're able to see that and that it so very quickly paints a picture of potential happiness for Jack. And almost swirling around like a buzzard is the doom yeah. that eventually Peril falls. Yeah, peril is right above the head. Yeah, yeah, all of that. I, I that that piece of this episode I found incredibly endearing. It could have been goony because you're like, like okay, so it's yeah. twenty years. Yeah. yeah, we get that you you had something for each other twenty years ago, but you're moving awful fast. This and we've said this before. All it takes is some great dialogue. Yeah, simple dialogue. And the fact is, why wait? We're we're not getting any younger. Yeah. Why and, wait? Yeah, and bright eyes. It's yeah. something else. They, let's, they not, the, let's not make the same mistakes we made before. Yeah, they, they picked the perfect actress to play Vi inside this episode. Yeah. Uh, she she obviously is, as a, a more mature woman, yes. Uh, obviously, life learned, yes. Obviously, brilliant doctor, yes. But there's a piece that's missing. It's like looking at a giant jigsaw puzzle, and in the center left-hand portion... You can see that there's two or three pieces that are missing that she couldn't possibly find on her own. Right. And not surprisingly, it's because they're in Jack's pocket. Yep. That's exactly what I felt from all of this in regard to that relationship, and it really was spectacular. 
That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment for this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the web form. Tell us, what was your manifest moment for this episode? Vocabulary. I love vocabulary, and there's at least two great pieces of vocabulary usage inside of this very episode. The first one... Pussyfoot. Pussyfoot, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, go check it out right now, says that pussyfoot is to go stealthily or furtively, which is a word I've never heard also. That's very interesting. One of the reasons why we have it as a vocabulary word for this episode is because it came out of nowhere in the episode. <laughs> I can't recall the last time I heard somebody actually use pussyfoot. Yeah. And of course, this is back in the 80s, so it's one of the reasons why we had to have it as a vocabulary word for this episode. Yeah, again, visualthesaurus.com generates words like creep, sneak, and mouse in regard to words that are akin to pussyfoot. Good stuff. Our second vocabulary word is... Trepanator. The Trefinator, what an interesting machine that obviously I was found I think I like the word a... better than I do the machine, actually. I, That's I, the thing. I do. And what's really funny is obviously this machine was found inside of some sort of terrible medical document someplace yeah. and then ripped to use inside of this episode. There's no question in my oh, mind. Yeah. So for those curious as to how to spell Trefinator, though that's not in the dictionary anywhere, really, Trefination is T-R-E-P-H-I-N. A-T-I-O-N, trephination. So trephinator, I'm assuming, would just be at the T. You go O-R for trephinator. True. Uh, It's a very interesting series of definitions that we found on the web for it. We'll link up four or five of them just so you guys can go and get a feel and flavor for what they're talking about. But inside of the very first listing that's available over at Google, it talks about trephination. The definition suggests... Trephination, also known as trepanning or burr holing, is a surgical intervention where a hole is drilled, incised, or scraped into the skull using simple surgical tools. In drilling into the skull and removing a piece of the bone, the dura matter is exposed without damaging the underlying blood vessels, meninges, and brain. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. There's a, some of the pictures are incredibly horrific. I'm not kidding. It's like if you took a cue ball yeah. and you made a cue ball size hole in the top right-hand side of your head, that's the photograph yeah. they got of this. It, it's absolutely horrific. The first cases are talked about it. The first appearances of it in Mesoamerica are referred to. Trephination in Europe is featured. And then trephination in China is also talked about. Hmm as well as the contemporary treatments that were eventually used to supplant it. So we're going to link to all of that inside the show notes for this episode. Remember, you can go to the show notes and look at all of the meanings of these words, including all of our great stuff that we've had over at visualthesaurus.com. The links are all there over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Episode rating. Ah, the rating for this episode of Friday the 13th, this series, Season 1, Episode 18... Brain drain. The scale works thusly. A ten is on top of the heap. True love after twenty years apart that joins souls forever. A one is on the bottom of the list. A dark, scraped hole in your skull from the Trephanator. Oh, Trephanator. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I could have gone back and forth with this. Uh, again, the, the, we, we mentioned the dings. We mentioned the things that needed some polish. And if I took those into account and just left it at that, my rating for this episode would be lower than average, mm-hmm. actually. Sure. But the thing about it is, is that we had great pacing. And with great pacing also came great score. And with great score came awesome acting from everybody involved, despite the fact that we're already middle of season one, we're recycling actors. Mm -hmm. You know what? 
I, I, that I can I can totally overlook. Thank God, I was going to break out the Treffinator. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't put penalty. me in the Treffinator. Don't put me in the Treffinator. <laughs> I don't like bee stings, much less having a, a needle shoved into my spinal cord. Uh, no, this this was a great episode, uh, but because of some of the dings, I couldn't give it the highest honor, but I will give it a nine. A nine. Well, you, sir, are an idiot because this episode has so many positives. Mike, you ignorant that, slut. <laughs> that outdo everything, especially in regard to pace especially into character development, as per your own words inside of this episode. I know, but I can't agree with three you. Three stars. Uh, and, and the stuff that were whole pokes are absolutely whole pokes, but what fills them in, the spackle, so to speak, is so incredibly huge and tremendous. <sighs> I am going to give this episode a 10. A 10, I say. You are much too generous. That's where we ask you guys, what do you rate this episode? Season 1, episode 18. Brain Drain. Let us know what you think by going again to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill in the web form and tell us what you think. So until the next time that a houseplant judo chops you across the neck and you crumble into a chair, thereby having your brain sucked... (laughs) I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host, letting you know, don't ever let anybody measure your skull. Measure your brain. When you're measuring the skull. That's I thought he was measuring the brain. He's measuring the skull. Oh. can't measure the brain. Okay. Never uh, mind. Uh, I'm Nicholas skull. J. Hearn, your other host. You ruined it. <laughs> you ruined it. Here, Mike, I have a chair for you. Would you like to sit down in this? Sure, why not? Let me measure Why'd your you brain. Just, that's it. You're in the chair. Where's you're, my Treffinator? You're in the chair. We're both in the chair. In fact, the Treffinator has two chairs. Oh, my God. Don't oh, throw the switch. No. no. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Just as every episode has... Hey, 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 hey. Stop horning in on my half. Oh, shut up! Jack Marshak, man of action, is now engaged. <laughs> and with a woman! Action. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> with a woman as opposed to a gorilla brain? Really? <laughs> He's in, But he could be engaged in something else. Oh, my God. I was trying to make sure that the okay. audience knew that it was with a woman not engaged in a game of dominoes or something. Gotcha. When you listen to the edit, you're going to laugh your ass off. It's awesome. It's perfect. <laughs>